Welcome to the I Will Be Your Church Podcast Virtual Sanctuary. Be strengthened today with the truth of God's love so that you can say to your families, your friends, your co-workers, and your social media worlds, I will be your church. Your hosts for today's episode are siblings, Ben and Joanna Church. Ben and I want to start today's episode by thanking everyone who has listened to and supported the I Will Be Your Church podcast over the last six months. This is our 100th and final episode of season one of the podcast. And I think it's really fitting that this episode is called The Full Gospel. Because we live in a time and a culture where many people have been lied to about what the gospel is. People have been misled about what it is, or they've been only told a portion of what the gospel means for their lives. And today we want to share what the full gospel is with you. Remember that the word gospel just means good news. So we are going to share with you straight from the Bible what the full good news about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven of Jesus is for every person on this planet who accepts it. And we're going to talk about an aspect of God that Jesus said was better for us to have than Jesus himself standing beside us. I mean, it's really hard to fathom that there is an aspect to Christian life on this planet that is actually better with Jesus gone. It's actually better than as if he were standing right next to us or eating right next to us. And yet that is what he promised his disciples. And today we are going to find out all about it. And I am excited to talk about this because so many people have been told that the good news or the gospel of Jesus is that if you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus as the payment for the price of your sins, that you're saved from eternal separation from God. Amen. That's it. And I suppose if we just stopped right there, that's a pretty good deal, right, Ben? Yeah. But it's a pretty good deal, right? Like that uh, we make the messes. He comes in, cleans up the messes and ensures our eternal salvation, right? It's a good deal. Yeah. And that's what I think most people think about the gospel is that, you know, Jesus came, died on the cross, forgave us of our sins. That's the gospel. That's it. But that's the mode of the gospel. That's how the gospel actually happens because Jesus preached the gospel. He preached good news. Right. The kingdom's but, here. <laughs> but he didn't preach that he was going to die on the cross. And that's he told been, them it was going to happen. But he only told his, his 12 that yeah. really that it was going to happen. And they didn't even understand that. But yeah. what did he preach? He preached that the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, God is here right now to dwell with you. And I am that ambassador of that happening. It's through me, the person of Jesus, he was saying. That's the good news. That's the gospel. So I like to say the forgiveness of sins and ensuring your eternal salvation, that's actually just the first chapter. That's just like the first chapter. That's the introduction. That is the opening into the kingdom right. of God. Well, can I just say one scripture real quick? Yeah. So Matthew 9.35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
that was literally a picture of what the gospel is, of God's plan for humanity in everyday life. Jesus was showing you. And, and so the go- our gospel should reflect those aspects of preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all sickness and disease. Which I'm really excited to get into the real scripture passage today because that's what it's going to show us. And what's exciting about it is there's a scripture that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And it says, God is able through his mighty power that works within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could even ask or think. Mm -hmm. So it goes beyond just this thing that we've been taught or that you hear on the TV. There's so much more. There's so much more beyond just the salvation of our eternal souls, which is, I mean, which is in and of itself amazing but it goes beyond that. So the full gospel is, it's more than just getting your sins forgiven and securing your place in God's eternal kingdom. It is actually God preparing a life for us here on earth, full of his spirit, becoming his dwelling place, being full of his wisdom, his love, and his power. And that life here on earth that we get to experience his spirit, his wisdom, his love, his power, it's to prepare those who love him to actually reign with him Mm -hmm. throughout eternity, creating and blessing the universe side by side with him. I mean, that is way beyond what we are taught on Sunday mornings in most church services. So I think generally in a very broad stroke, there's like two messages of Christianity. One on the one hand is simply and specifically Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sin so you can go to heaven. And then the rest of the Bible, what's the rest of the Bible for? Then there's the other part of Christianity that just says you can live your best life now and how you <laughs> like can an just, infomercial. How you can be like so awesome here and now. Except Christianity, the gospel is all those things combined into one. Yeah, It's the conquering, the occupying till Christ come, and it's the great commission. And for some reason, like we've split, because if it was just the great commission, if it was just preaching that Jesus died on the cross and that you can be born again and that your sins are forgiven and you're then predestined to go to heaven and, and you're set. If it was just that, then and that's like six scriptures in the Bible six passages yeah, like then what is, what are the 66 books for we don't yeah. need them just rip them out and throw them away especially the epistles to the church in the new testament yeah. those are how we can actually live the gospel in our everyday life so that yes we can live in a sense our best life now in the context of our best life is fulfilling the the will of god for our lives yeah doesn't necessarily mean return. we're going to be a millionaire or like we're, you know, be the, have the best job necessarily, although mostly it would be. <laughs> but then on the other hand, God does need us to go into hard, dark places to fulfill the Great Commission because there's people in those hard, dark places that need to hear the gospel, that they don't need to be in that hard, dark place anymore. That's right. And God has ordained a better plan. Now, I mean, it would make no sense if this hard, dark world that God would just say, 
go into that hard, dark world and just say your sins are forgiven, but you got to stay in that hard, dark world and, and just, <laughs> that's not good news. Die. They would never hear, they would never hear that. There's no like good when, news to that. Yeah. Like if you read in Luke four, where, where Jesus is reading out of the passage of Isaiah of like thousand, fifteen hundred years before. And Jesus says today, this day, this passage is fulfilled in your ears. So what did he say? He, he is, he has sent me to preach good news to the poor. Yeah. Well, what is good news to the poor? Don't have to be poor that anymore. You don't have to be poor anymore. That God <laughs> has a plan for you. Mm. I can tell you one thing. You know, if you go down to Skid Row in San Francisco, if you can't grab them by the hand and lift them up out of that Skid Row, they're not going to hear anything you have to say. Maybe one will. Maybe one who's who's just been waiting for someone to, to, to say something good. But if you don't grab a hold of them, you know, and bring something of substance, whether it's healing to their paralyzed legs, whether it's a meal, whether it's new clothes, whether it's whatever it is, a job or support, they're not going to hear your words. If people right now are listening, thinking, these two are crazy. What are they even talking about? They're just setting on end everything that I've ever heard in my Nice, simple church service. Well, Ben, are you ready to jump into this with me? Because I am ready to share the full gospel of Jesus with everyone who is listening. And if you don't believe it because we're saying it, let's look and see what the Bible actually has to say about it. So we're going to be reading a bit of scripture here because you really got to hear the whole thing. And this is taken from the book of Acts chapters one and two. The book of Acts was written by Luke. And if you want to know just a little bit more about the person of Luke who wrote the book of Acts, uh, you could go back, find our Christmas episodes and hear about how Luke was a man of science. He was a physician. He took his time to really find eyewitness accounts of what was going on during the life of Jesus and then in the lives of the disciples. So head back on to our Christmas episodes and you'll be able to hear a little bit more about Luke. So. This is Luke talking. In my first book, I told you, O Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died and then rose from the dead, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually and truly alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift that he has promised, as I told you before. Remember, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will all be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? But he would reply to them, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know yet, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of this earth. After saying this to them, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. 
as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them and saying to them, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, there were about 120 believers together in one place, just as Jesus had commanded them to be. And on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in that one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and actually settled on top of and over each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this amazing ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They actually heard this loud noise, and everyone came running, wondering, what is it? And then they heard the disciples speaking in their own languages, and they were bewildered to hear their languages being spoken by these believers and followers of Jesus. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. And they all stood there amazed and perplexed, asking, what can this mean? But others in the crowd ridiculed the disciples, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. No, what you see happening right now was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel when he wrote, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. 
listeners to this podcast, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. You were there. You saw it happening. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. And now Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave Jesus the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us and baptize us, just as you see and hear today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what must we do? Peter replied, Each of you must right now repent of your sins, turn to God, Be baptized in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you do that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, it is to your children, and it is to those far away, everyone who has been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all, not bad, 120 to 3,000 in one day. And then all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowshipping with each other, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in their numbers who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes together. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That, my friends, is the full gospel. Repentance of sins, turning to the Lord, being baptized in the name of Jesus first in water and then with the power of the Holy Spirit, which then puts you in fellowship with a great company of believers, not just in the world today, but those believers who have gone before. The power and the miraculous of the Holy Spirit of God living in your life today, walking with you today, fellowshipping with you today. Yeah. And that's the fruit of it is living in joy living in harmony with others. So you do have that fruit. So we, we saw the Great Commission in operation, that they were compelled to then go share that good news that they had received with everyone around them. And eventually they spread it around the earth. 
But on the other hand, then they were living together. Their culture was increasing. Their culture was growing. Everyone was benefiting by this heavenly culture. It's a kingdom culture. So there is the Great Commission, but there is the kingdom of heaven established within us. It makes us better people. It makes us work better, think better, live better, be better. And when you're that kind of a person, you increase in this planet. You start to take dominion. You start to see things change around you. Even when you go through hard times, you start coming out on the other side better. It's what God's doing in your life. That's living the gospel, fulfilling the Great Commission, and also being who God's called you to be. Another thing I uh, took from that passage right away in the upper room, it was so neat how there was 120 people there. All the disciples, remember, like the apostles, there were 72 apostles that Jesus sent, that worked closely with Jesus, that he sent out in his name. 72 people, not just 12, 72. And then on top of that, there were women. There was Mary. There was a few Marys, actually. Mary, the mother of Jesus. There were also the Lord's, Jesus's actual brothers and sisters. They were there. And they're all baptized with the Holy Spirit. They all were Christians. They all received power from on high. They all participated in this. So in other words, Mary, who many people consider the Virgin Mary, wasn't a virgin any longer. She had other children. They weren't immaculate. Okay. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other languages. Mary, Mm -hmm. the mother of Jesus, was a Pentecostal. (laughs) (laughs) That should open up some eyes to some people and around the world that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a Pentecostal. She was baptized with fire, with the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, preached the gospel, prophesied, all those wonderful things that we heard in that story. And so that means it's available for everyone. Why do you think it is? So let's just think about this for a second. We say that the criteria to be born from above, to be born again, to have that experience, the remission of your sins, the taking away of your sins, and then the the rebirth into the kingdom of God, we say that. And the disciples had that happen, right? I mean, so Jesus dies, he gets raised from the dead, he appears to them, they have conversations with him. So obviously they believe that Jesus died, was raised from the dead on behalf of them, and they call him Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. They made him Lord. They made him Savior of their lives. They were Christians after he appeared to them. Yeah. So then, but Jesus says, wait a second, Uh, that's awesome, but there's something more for you. And as a matter of fact, you can't even, I don't even want you talking about what's happening right now with my resurrection until this more comes to you. Like you need to go, you need to wait because I am about to send something to you that is going to change your lives. It is going to impact you in a way that just me standing here hasn't even impacted you. And you need to go because you are going to be baptized and filled and set on fire by the very Spirit of God. So why do you think, Ben, that it is that in our current day, somehow the message has stopped at just believe in Jesus when there's obviously something that he says to us that there is a greater experience. There is something that goes beyond just that born again experience to the actual covering of the Holy Spirit coming in and just taking over your life. What do you think that is? Well, let me ask you this. If you were going to go fight a war, if you're going to go fight a battle, 
Do you want your adversary to have guns and to have training and endurance and all those things? Or would you rather just, they just be like newbies out there with just like a rock and like a stick? Yeah. I, I'd, if I was going into battle, I'd want my enemy to be unprepared, to be unempowered and just to be young and ill-equipped. That's, that's what I would want, right? Well, our adversary is the devil. And he's walking around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What would his plan be in a common sense way? To keep the power from God's people. Mm. So, in other words, if we're just a Christian believing that Jesus was raised from the dead and calling him Lord, we are on our way to heaven. That's awesome. But that's a very selfish way to live. Yeah. Because if you die, if you're, you're going to heaven, okay, fine. But where's the power in your life? Where's the training in your life? Where's the, where, where's the equipment that you can go destroy the enemy's works in this earth? You don't have Jesus did just like Jesus, because if Jesus was here, he'd be kicking some devil, butt, (laughs) tearing down some devil walls the way he did the way he did then. And the way the apostles did, everyone in that upper room did, (laughs) and some are doing today. Yeah. But the key is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And let me just read a couple scriptures here. In Acts 19, the apostle Paul was going to talk to some people, and he said unto them, this is Acts 19, verses 2 through 6, he said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now think about that. Now, technically, they actually weren't believers at this point in Jesus. They weren't born again yet because they had just been baptized under John the Baptist. So repentance of sin. They got the repentance right. of sin part because that's what John. Right. So they were, their hearts were prepared. They were ready. They were just on the precipice. But that's beside the point. The point is that Paul asked them a question. He thought that they were believers. He thought they were Christians. And he said, well, since you believed in Christ, have you received the Holy Spirit? And then they have this conversation that they didn't really realize there was a Holy Spirit or Jesus. They didn't even, and he's they like, well, heard what's about going it on? <laughs> so he preached that, well, Jesus is the Christ, the yeah. one who is coming after John the Baptist. And they're like, they got so excited. They became Christians, got baptized in water. Then Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Ghost came on them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied that same upper room experience happened to them. So let's pause there for a second, because some people have been taught. So remember, I started this conversation by saying that some people are taught a lie that there is no baptism in the Holy Spirit for today. Some people are taught a half truth that it's only for certain special selected people, right? So I've, I've heard that, well, it was just for those special 120 people in the upper room. Or even it's just for special people today. Or just for, right. So just for special people. (laughs) And yet there it shows, and a couple other places actually in Acts, where it shows that random people who believed in Jesus Mm -hmm. were then filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of praying in other languages that they didn't have natural knowledge of. They'd never been trained in those languages, and they prophesied. They spoke prophetic, spiritual words because of this baptism. And so it's right there. I mean, 
that right. don't believe the lie that this special infilling and empowering and baptism and covering of the Holy Spirit is just for back then or just for special people today. It is for every man, woman, and even children, That's even right. children who reach out in belief can be filled with the Spirit of God and speak in other languages. Well, just think about it. Like I said a minute ago, who would be keeping God's power from people? Would it not be God. God? No, it would be the enemy. The enemy exactly. does not want us to have live the full gospel. Who would dilute the gospel? Who would try to trick it up? Who would try to limit it? Would it be God? No. Nope. No, it would be the devil. It'd be the enemy of our souls, of all humanity. The enemy of God would try to pollute his words, dilute his words, and try to steal our inheritance. Well, here's what Jesus said specifically in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Jesus said, if you are evil as human beings and you know how to give good gifts unto your children, like, you know, if our little kid asks us for a treat, are we going to give him poison? No, like a serial killer would, but like, you know, we're good parents. No, we're going to treat our loving kids to some goodness, right? Well, how much more God, who's not evil, who's perfectly good in love, would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Then, in other words, if you pray for the Holy Spirit, if you say, God, I want your power, I want all that you have for me, if you pray that, you have the words of Jesus Christ that guarantee you will not receive something else. You will receive the Holy Spirit if you ask. I've heard this before sometimes. If you pray for that, um, you'll get possessed by the devil. Well, that's a lie. Because Jesus guaranteed right here, if you pray for the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get any other spirit, but the Holy Spirit, and you will receive. Now, should that scripture be stricken from the Bible? No, but people do. if it's do. not for today, delete that thing out. Mm. But no, it is for today. Yeah. And any lie that anybody's heard about the Holy Spirit that's not even in the Bible, erase it out of your memory. And rewrite this scripture. If if people who are evil know how to give good gifts unto the children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks? Yeah. That's the truth. I'm thinking as you were talking, just the scripture that came up in my heart was that God wants you to know, this is from Colossians chapter one, that the riches and glory of Jesus the Messiah is for you too. Those riches and the glory of Jesus are for you too. And do you know what those riches and glories are? Do you know what the great secret is? Colossians says, the great secret of the glory of God is the Messiah who lives in you. Mm-hmm. Well, how does he do that? Through the infilling, indwelling Holy Spirit. That is the glory. That is, as you just said, that's our inheritance. We were promised that. It's filled us. The glory of God fills us. The righteousness of Jesus fills us. As we said in a couple of weeks ago, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection spirit is in us. That's right. Dwells in us, lives in us. 
And that is through the indwelling baptism. And we are covered. I I wish like, I wish we could have our spiritual eyes opened Mm -hmm. and we could actually see what does it mean to have the fire and the glory and the anointing of God's spirit just covering us, just rising up inside of us and just surrounding us like, like I would think of it this way, if I had to describe it based on scripture, what I read in the Bible, I would describe it in these ways, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the spirit within, and then the spirit upon. Yeah. And also you could put it this way, the light within and the fire upon. Yeah. So we are full of light and that's the Holy Spirit because God is light and that's within us. And that's spirit when we become of, a Christian. The spirit of the Messiah, actually. The spirit it says of the, Christ. Yeah, the Jesus. spirit of the anointed one. Yeah. But think about that. So the spirit of the anointed one is the spirit of God, who Jesus really was in him. Yeah. That's who he was inside. But even Jesus received the baptism, the spirit upon when he was That's baptized right. by John the Baptist, it, it said when John looked at it and saw that it happening, he saw it descending like a dove. In other words, something was like coming down seemingly with wings and settling upon Jesus. Mm-hmm. Juxtapose that with the upper room experience of the fire actually visible to the naked eye coming and setting on the people. So they had they were already had the spirit within. They were already filled with the light of God, the love of God, but they needed to be empowered by the fire. So light, think about that. Light is wisdom. Light is life, Mm. but fire is power. That's right. (laughs) Fire will burn through a wall. Fire will get stuff done. So we got to have both that, the, the, the spirit within and the spirit upon. Well, that's why I like to, sometimes people who've been listening I like to translate the word Christ for for whatever reason, the the word Christ doesn't get translated in the Bible. So we think of it sometimes as Jesus's last name. Not that I think there's anything wrong with that, but it actually, there's more to it than that. Because it's a meaning. It's a, it's a office, a calling. And so like, it's Jesus, the anointed one. He's Mm -hmm. anointed. He's anointed with what? He's anointed with the authority of the son of God. He's anointed with the authority of the spirit of God. And that's where we get the name Christian. So if you've, if you've ever wondered, it's not that we're just like little Christ in the sense of like just followers of Jesus. No, the word Christian comes because these people that you hear talked about in these passages of scripture, they went out from that upper room also anointed Mm-hmm. With that same spirit, that same fire, that same authority, that same power that Jesus had been anointed with. And they were able to then walk out the way Jesus walked and they were called Christians. So basically little anointed ones. Okay, well, heck, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. you know? And why but, wouldn't you want that? You know, it's like, and there's there's groups of Christians who say that's of the devil. They yeah. They write books called Strange Fire and it's not of God is what they're saying. But how can you just not read these passages of scriptures and believe that? You know, yeah. okay, I don't care what craziness is going out in the world. You know, there's always going to be craziness. You, so you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You've got to discern what does the Bible say and what is it telling me? 
Jesus did not become the Christ until he was baptized by John the Baptist. Now, we, we have to believe that. Now, there's Christians who don't believe that, but the scripture says the spirit came on him and, and anointed him yeah. when he was baptized in water. Jesus had the life of God within him before that. In other words, he would be a Christian in a sense, right? He, he would be someone who would die and go to heaven, <laughs> right? Because he had yeah. no sin. He had the life of God in him. But when did his earthly ministry, when did he start moving in power? Right. When did he start moving in the authority of and who that's he what was? The church lacks. Hmm. Now, remember, Jesus read from Isaiah in the synagogue after he then was baptized. He went out into the wilderness for 40 days. You know, he came back in the power of the spirit. And then he read the scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, remember, the word anointing means to smear over, rub over, or pour over. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Yeah. And he said it. I'm telling yeah. you, people, it's the spirit within, it's the spirit upon. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do all these things. And he lists them out. So if we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if we don't have the power from on high, we're very limited in our effectiveness and fulfilling God's will in this earth. We're, we're very, very limited. But when we do have it, let's think about this for a second. So that very first day, they're baptized in this fire. And all throughout Jesus's ministry, when Jesus was basically, I will say, proving who he was, he proved it through the signs, the wonders, the miracles. And he kept saying, don't believe my words, believe my works, right? Look what I'm doing. But isn't it interesting that on the very first day of this anointing experience that the early believers had, no healing happened, no demon casting out happened or anything like that, no exorcism. Mm -hmm. The only sign was words, Preaching. two things. There was the, the, the people heard another languages, other languages being spoken mm -hmm. by the apostles. They were anointed words. Because it says that they were declaring in these other languages the wonders of God, and it struck in other words, the hearts they were prophesying, but in a different language. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that struck the ears. First, that struck the ears of these listeners, and they're like, "What is going on?" Mm -hmm. And then the next thing that happened was Peter preached like a a two minute message. He preached a two minute message. Nothing super eloquent about it. Basic words of Jesus and the power of God coming together. And that message, because what happened? That message affected the hearts of 3,000 people that day. That simple two-minute message, 3,000 people, because his words were now anointed. I've been reading recently in some of the old revivalists. And so I was reading Charles Spurgeon recently mm -hmm. and he made this comment when talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, it is one thing for men to speak and it's quite another thing for God to speak through men. Mm -hmm. And that's what was happening that day. The spirit of God anointed the actual words. And I like sciencey stuff. What are words? They're waves. They are particles of waves. 
those wave particles were actually coated in that anointing and they pierced the spiritual hearts of 3,000 people. And all he said was, you killed Jesus. God raised him from the dead. He's the Messiah. Now we send his Holy Spirit to fill you. Believe on him. That was it. And 3,000 like, people. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> 3,000 people. Uh, are we hearing that today? In, in, am I hearing that? Are the people in this world hearing that? Are you hearing that in your church services? <laughs> are you hearing it when you read the scripture yourself? Because it is anointed. It's mm-hmm. anointed. And you can be anointed. Uh, that's, you know, in that passage, it said, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And then each of you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers you, that anoints you, that sets your life on fire. I want my life set on fire. I want it continually set on fire. I don't want to lose it ever. I don't want to even, I don't want that anointing to get rubbed off. I want it on me all the time, flooding my life and, and all around me and the people around me and affecting the people around me. Yeah. So the question is for anyone listening today, Joe, and like, and for you and for me, even who we have been baptized in the Holy spirit for a long time, but I want a fresh fire. I want a fresh anointing. I don't want to be complacent with the things that God has done in my life. I want to move with that fire. If you ever look at a fire, it's constantly moving. Mm. It's constantly consuming. But if I'm adding like bad stuff in my life and, I, and I'm not going with God, you know, it's, it's not going with what that fire wants to do. I'm putting barriers up I, or I'm maybe even trying to extinguish that fire by my own actions or beliefs. It seems bizarre like we would, right? But I think we do. Yeah. So whether you're a Christian for many years, whether this is the first time you've ever heard something like this and you're like, what in the world? But somehow it's piercing your heart. My question to you is why wouldn't you want all that God has for you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want, if you believe in God and you hear this truth, why wouldn't you want it? I heard a a message by um, a United Church of Christ pastor lady preaching on the day of Pentecost. And she read that same passage that we read, Joanna, that you just read the same account of the upper room on the day of Pentecost. After she stopped, her exact words were, boy, I'm sure glad that doesn't happen today. That would just scare me to death. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How sad. And it just blew my mind. But isn't that the ideology of most humans? We're like Israel when God was on the mountain with Moses, with fire and and smoke and, and thunderings and lightnings and just the presence of God. And they said, please leave us, God. We don't want you. You're too big. And aren't we like that today? But we don't have to be. No, I want it Because God loves us and he wants to work in our lives and change us and lead us from glory to glory to glory. And it's time that the old works are cast aside, that the dead works are buried once and for all. It's time that the new spirit of Christ that's new every day lives within us and upon us. So if you want that, 
We're just going to take a, a quick moment here and acknowledge that and pray for that. I wrote this down on a pat on a, just a piece of paper years ago. And then this keeps me focused so that when I deal with people and I can tell you, Joanna, like there's times uh, when I pray for people to be baptized in the Holy spirit, they get baptized in the Holy spirit. I don't know what it is. I, I see people sweeping at the altar, wanting to be filled with the Holy spirit, walking away disappointed because they don't receive it. But when I pray for people uh, just a couple months ago, a guy came up at the end of church and I asked him, I said, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he said, no. I said, well, do you want what God, all that God has for you? He says, yeah, I sure do. And so I just, I said a couple of passage scriptures that we talked about tonight. I said, do you want that? He said, yeah. I said, pray this prayer after me. We prayed like two sentences. I laid my hands on him. And I said, is there a language now that you want to speak? He said, yep. And he started speaking in tongues, like just looking at me deadpan, you know, deadpan face right in my, in my eyes. Baptized in the Holy Spirit instantaneously. Nothing crazy. Normal. So here's what I wrote down. Here's what I, I live by. Here's what I pray with others. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer, but he's also available to come upon every believer and live with you to empower you to be a witness of God's power to the world. The fire of the Holy Spirit is God's power that comes on a believer. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit or being filled with him allows the Holy Spirit to manifest himself through that believer. And speaking in an unknown tongue or languages and prophesying are the vocal signs. Now, right now, here's what we're going to do together. Ask the Father, God the Father, in the name of Jesus, to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and baptize you with his fire and power. Now, right now, if you're listening, if this is what you want, lay your hands right now on yourself on your head, your shoulders, whatever, on your stomach. Lay your hands upon yourself because we're not there to lay hands on you just like the Apostle Paul did, but you can hear us and you're a believer. Lay your hands on yourself right now. Ask the Father to baptize you. We're going to pray right here. Heavenly Father, we have heard your word tonight. You have spoken to us through your scripture, through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit who comes upon us, who dwells within us. We thank you for that empowerment. And right now, all the people listening who want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they are doing it in obedience to your word. This is your plan, not ours. They're laying their hands upon themselves right now, asking you for the Holy Spirit. Father, will you baptize them right now in Jesus' name? Would you come upon them? Would you fill them? Would they speak with tongues and prophesy? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you did that, he's moving in your life right now. Now, here's two things. I'll finish with this. The Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. So if you feel like there's something trying to bubble up within you, there's words or there's something that you say, you speak it out. Just start speaking it and release it out of your mouth. Let those languages flow. If you feel like, I don't think I can believe this, well, then there's your issue. You've got to study the scriptures. Take those verses that we spoke about today. Read them over and over. Plant those seeds in the field of your heart. Let those words minister to you and stay with the Lord. And you will see the fire fall in your life. And you will be empowered to go be the gospel to the world around you. Amen. So for the end of our 100th episode and the end of season one of the I Will Be Your Church podcast, if you prayed that prayer 
and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please reach out to us at IWillBeYourChurch.com, IWillBeYourChurch at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook at IWillBeYourChurch. Let us know. Share the story. Let us rejoice with you that you have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus and you have been baptized with his power and authority to go be the church in your world. If you feel blessed by the I Will Be Your Church podcast, please subscribe so you never miss a day and then share it with your friends. Check out our website, IWillBeYourChurch.com to learn more about us, check out Ben's blog, connect with us on social media, and become part of this church family movement.